0: And I don't know if we have any Marvel fans in here, but the Marvel Universe did this uh, comic book and cartoon series called What If? What if these different things happen in the Marvel Universe? But today I'm going to be asking us a question, kind of similar but different, who is? Who is different things in our life? I was a, uh, right out of college, I went and uh, worked in Mexico for a mission organization where I would lead, me and some other missionaries, we would lead groups of people that would come down, we'd have uh, different churches, different denominations, sometimes an interesting mixture of people that would come down, Uh, we would take them out to do evangelism and different things throughout. Uh, the city. On, On one, one occasion, occasion, we were doing this outreach. We had sent groups out going door to door asking them to come to our worship service that we were going to have. We're going to have all these games for kids. We had this bounce house that we definitely didn't break halfway through the summer. Uh, but we had these different activities for them. And so we had probably 50 to 100 people that came out and we tried to slam them into this little small room that was probably the grand total of all these tables combined. but we were having a worship service. We had we were letting one of the churches that came down uh, speak and give a message to them. We had a translator going and those, that always goes smoothly uh, and it doesn't take a lot of extra time for them to translate the random words from different dialects from the US especially if they're a Southerner like I am. But as this service was going on, all these dogs started barking, like a whole pack of them. And you couldn't hear anything. You couldn't hear the pastor preaching, the translator translating. Hopefully he was translating right. I don't think my Spanish was perfect at that point in time. But me and a couple other members or a couple other missionaries were like, hey, let's step aside and let's have a prayer for this service and for God to make these dogs be quiet. So we all stepped out and we got in a huddle and we started praying and we were praying and we were praying. While this was going on, we didn't notice, know, it, know it until this man stepped out of the service that, we, that they were having but at some point in time, this guy who had heard us and seen us going around the village, inviting people to a, a, a God, the true one God service, said, I do not like this. This doesn't represent my God, and I want to do something for my God. So what he thought he should do was he grabbed his chicken and he grabbed his machete. And he came to the service and he was at the back of the service and he was standing back there for a while throughout this, throughout all those dogs barking. And at some point in time, he was like, now's the time. And he starts walking to the stage. And I think we all understand what he was going to do. He, he felt that he should sacrifice that chicken for his God during our service on the stage. As he got about halfway down the aisle, the dog stopped barking. And he heard the message that was being preached. And then he immediately went out of the service, and that's when he came into me and my friend's circle, where we were praying for those dogs to stop barking. And we got to talk with him, we got to pray with him, and eventually he came to know the Lord. And he had a business of renting out bounce houses, inflatable bounce houses. And he became like our best friend, and he started promoting everything Everything we were doing. doing. He brought brought all of his bounce houses over. We had like every child with him, I think 200 miles over there. And we got to share the gospel with him. Because we heard the Lord speaking to us, just to quiet some dogs. Now, I don't know if God caused those dogs to bark or if he used all that together, but luckily I didn't have to deal with someone sacrificing a chicken. Good. Yes. Amen to that. So if you would join with me now, we're going to look into Scripture in Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 25. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, uh, starting in verse 25. If you want to follow along or listen, Says, now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, some verses, I'm going to stop here and just say this. some, Some translations don't include verse 37. Some include part of it. Some don't include it at all. Uh, But this verse says, and then Philip said, if you believe, and the Ethiopian said, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of the Lord. And then it continues on in verse 38. You might have some kind of different form of that in your Bibles. But picking up in verse 38, it says, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Aztus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns he came to until Caesarea. If you would bow your heads with me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father God, I come to you now, Lord, and I... Father God, I pray for this service. I pray for the, the music that we sing. I pray for everyone here, everyone who is watching at home. God, I pray that it is your word, your voice that overflows through my spirit and comes out today. God, you are our rock, our redeemer. God, I pray that through the hearing of your word and this message that we grow closer together and closer to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So in this, we're starting off at where Mitch ended up last week. He was talking about some disciples who went down to, um, to Samaria, that they were, they were shearing up, and they had heard that the gospel had come to the Samarians, and they went down to make sure that this would happen and to usher in the Holy Spirit into their lives. At the end of this, we see that they then went back to Jerusalem. They, Peter and John, uh, had, after they had spoken with these people, after they had shared the gospel, they start going back to Jerusalem. And it says, along the way, they shared the gospel with everyone, with everyone they passed, with the villages that they came to, uh, with many different people. Excuse me, hang on one second as they were going they shared this gospel with people and we see here this sandwich of a passage that as this passage starts it starts with the disciples as they were going they are sharing the gospel with people And then the next part it goes into, as we'll see, how how you can share the gospel. How Philip ultimately shares the gospel with people. And then it ends with Philip, a disciple, as he is going, he is sharing the gospel through villages and with people as he passes, as he meets them, as he talks to them. And we're going to pick up here in verse 26 as we go through this. Talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had someone talk to you? Hopefully, we all have, right? Someone has talked to us. We've answered a phone, and someone says to you a question or asks you something. But what do you say when someone when you pick up the phone? Hello. Hopefully, you don't, don't stand there. Now, if we know it's a spam call, I just sit there and wait. I see if it's an automated thing, but then I respond. Sometimes I like to see how long I can keep them on the phone, only if I have spare time, which I don't have right now. But we have a, we have a conversation with someone on the phone. Just like when we meet anyone else, we have a conversation. We respond back and forth to them. And here it says, in verse we say it says, Now angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go to the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, Now, Mitch messaged me last night and said, hey, it's Sunday here in Jerusalem. I was like, great, it's 1030 here. I then asked him, hey, can you go on a journey for me? Can you walk from Jerusalem to Gaza? I need to know this, how long it takes you for my sermon. Either he did not get that message or he is still walking because I have not heard back from him. But an angel says to Philip to do something. And I think this is amazing. Like A lot of times when we see when an angel comes and speaks to someone, what does the angel generally say first? Fear not. Because they are this bright and shining person because they have been in the presence of the Lord so much that they are just shining bright. And the angel generally says, fear not. And this may or may not have taken place in here, but Philip responds back as the angel says, rise and go to the south. Eventually, like he, like not eventually, but he does it. How many times have you told your child, especially a teenage child, to go and do something? We're not going to ask how many ladies have ask their husbands to do something. I don't want to hear those responses. So let's go with teenagers. We ask our teenagers to go and do something. What is the response? Generally, there's no response, right? Now, if if you've got your kids trained that they just automatically do it without a response, come tell me that. I need to know that for the future. But as the angel says to Philip to rise and go to the south, he does it. But it, it says something really specific here, and it's curious. At the end of verse twenty-six, it says, "This is a desert place." Now, these people lived in Jerusalem. They, the the writer, either Philip or a scribe or whoever might have Luke, who might have added this in, put this descriptor in here that it was a desert place. And a lot of times, like you don't when when you're talking to a farmer, you don't say, "I'm going to come over to your house." that has all the crops around it, that has all the dirt around it. Like, unless it's, you know, if we live further in the mountains, I'm not gonna tell my friend I'm coming over, we're going on a ski trip to the place that has all the snow. Now, if you're from the South, you might need to make that explanation because we don't understand what snow is in the South. We get it once every 11 years. But here he specifically says about it's a desert place. Now, in Hebrew, this word is Iermos. And I looked up, like, the the Strong's definition for this, and I thought it was really interesting. It says, Iermos is a deserted by others, deprived of the aid and protection of others, especially of friends, of a flock deserted by a shepherd. And I want you all to remember this as we are going through this. Because Philip goes to a desert place, and he's going to speak to an Ethiopian eunuch who is from a a desert place, and I want to say he's surrounded by people who do not support him like he needs. This Ethiopian was about to go back to a desert place, and this is where the angel sent him, and I think that is why this one little phrase is important. But then Philip rose, and he went Later on in Scripture, in two, chapter, two or three chapters later, I think in, in Acts 10 or 11, we see another uh, disciple who is told by, is Peter, I believe, told by an angel to go and do something. It's given very specific directions about how this is going to take place, that people are going to come for him and he should go with them. And all along the way, I like to call him hesitating Peter, because when the exact thing that the angel told him to was going to happen and he should go with them, he's like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. Who are you? Where are you wanting to go? me to go with? Eventually he goes, but he hesitates. Here we see Philip immediately, he rises and goes to where the angel of the Lord has told him to. How much in our lives, when we hear the, the nudging, the prodding of the Holy Spirit in our lives, do we immediately respond with a yes? Now, there's kind of like two ways to respond to something, right? I kind of mentioned that earlier. You talk to your, to your teenage son or daughter, tell them to do something. They either do what? Nothing. Or after you threaten to take away their phone, they do something. Maybe not the best thing, but they do Something. So in here, I feel like maybe, like, like, Philip maybe remembered, like, the story of Jonah. Do you know what happened in Jonah? The Lord told him to do something. And he didn't just do, like, nothing. He was like, I'm not just going to try to go the other way of this thing. I don't want to go to Nineveh. Those people are weird. Like people from New Orleans. We're weird. I mean, what happened to Noah? I mean, I'm not Noah. Jonah. The Lord needed to do something with him. And Jonah wasn't obeying God. And God put him in where? In the belly of the well to take him to where he needed to be to fulfill the mission of God, to fulfill what God was trying to do. I had this uh, pastor friend back in New Orleans who was a pastor when I met him, but before he was a pastor, he was a prisoner. He had been in jail for many years for crimes and acts of violence that he had done. But when I met him, he was one of the most prolific pastors that I'd ever known. He spoke the word of God and people listened to him. And his testimony was one that if he was not put in jail, if he was not put through the refining fire, because the in jail is where he met the Lord, if he was not put there, he would not be the man of God that he was when I met him. He would not have been the man of God that met with so many people and shared his testimony so that they came to know the Lord. A lot of the times, what is our response to God or other people when they ask? When someone else asks you to do something, a lot of times what we say is like, oh, that's not, let me see. I like to tell people, especially when I get phone calls, let me pull up my calendar real quick because I have no idea what's going on in my life. But a lot of times it's wait or let's see. See, God has a purpose for each of us in our lives. And a lot of the times we say no, but God's purpose is bigger than our no's. And I want you to know that, like what I want to say, what I want to tell God is, God, I want my nose to turn into yeses, and I want your nose to be redirections in my life towards your will and what you want of me. See, for for those of us who accepted Christ into our lives as our Lord and Saviors, we have the gospel living and breathing inside of us. But we also have that peace. How many of us prepare ourselves each and every day as we rise to be prepared to go out and meet with others and share the gospel with them? In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we see a verse of scripture about the full armor of God. I had a friend in college who who would do this one thing that each morning he would go and look in front of the mirror. I don't know if he really did this, but he said he did this. He talked a big game, but he would put on the full armor of God each and every morning. And he at least had it written on his mirror, so hopefully he was looking at that. But one of the verses in that is Ephesians 6, 15, it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. See, for those of us who had the gospel inside us, we have that peace. We have that peace, that readiness on our feet That when the Lord calls us, whether it's an angel, the Holy Spirit, or whatever is that nudging or prodding in us, we should be ready to go out and meet with those around us. Meet with our family, with our our, our wife, our spouse, our husband, our kids, and share the gospel with them, with family members, and those around us. You know, there was a movie, a Pixar, I think it was a Pixar Disney movie, uh, called Toy Story. How many of y'all seen Toy Story? Now, Andy had a bunch of toys, and they were alive, right? What did Andy's favorite toys have written on the bottom of their feet? They had Andy. Now, I want to be ready. I want to be used by God. One of the things that I want to be written on the bottom of my foot is what? God. And I want to have the... You know, I thought about coming up here shoeless... Uh, but then I completely forgot about that. Um, so I don't know if you're, you're thankful for that or not. Um, I'll do it again later. But I want to have the, also the shoes of readiness upon my feet so that I am ready at any time to be able to share the gospel message with those who are around me. And that's my encouragement for you as well. Here in uh, verse 27, we're introduced to the Ethiopian eunuch. That Philip met. Now an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch was someone that was castrated. Hopefully you know what that means. I'm not going to go into that. So that he could be around. The king's harem of women. And this was a man. Who was trusted so much. That he became. became The treasurer for a whole nation. And he was a treasurer, a court official under Candace, the Queen of the Ethiopians. I want to explain this real quick. So in Ethiopia, their kings thought of themselves as gods, as king gods, and they thought it was below themselves to run their country. They were over the country, but their queen or the queen mother ran the country, and her eunuchs were people that she put in charge of things over here. Uh, They are called Candaces, much like there is Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a title for the kings of Egypt. Caesar, you know, Julius Caesar, Caesar was not his name. It was his title, such as a king. And so is Candace here, as she was the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, the importance of this is we see this Ethiopian who is... In such high regards, he was either he was either a convert to Judaism, or he was a Jewish man who was captured and put into the service of the Ethiopian queen. And we've seen this other places where people were captured in Scripture and became people of renown because they were blessed by the Lord. But here, this Ethiopian has come and has gone up to Jerusalem to worship during one of their celebrations, their Passover, some feast. He has gone up to Jerusalem to worship God, the God of Judaism. And as he was returning, he is in his chariot and he's reading some scripture. And this is where we see that an angel has told Philip to go run up to this moving chariot not just to say hi, not just to run alongside it, but the angel tells him to go get in the chariot. This is a very important man. I'm going to explain this. John would know who the president is. Have you seen him out and about with all of his security guards or in like his Limousine. They'll have like three limos to kind of confuse us, but everyone sees which one he gets in. And there's all these security guards around that. Now, if I ran up to the president's limousine, not just to run alongside it, but to try to get in it, how do you think that would go? I hope at the very least, I'm just going to get tackled. And not just me, me, me. My family, my dog, everyone I know are all going to be questioned why I ran along and tried to get in with the president. Something similar would happen like that with these officials. But the Lord made a way. He prepared the way. He prepares the way for each and every one of us as we enter into conversations with people to share the gospel with them. But he runs alongside the chariot And he hears the Ethiopian reading from a scroll. Now, scrolls were not something that was commonplace. Like, we all have our Bibles, and now we have them all on our phones as well. But not everyone was allowed to have, and it was actually discouraged for other people to have scrolls in Jesus' time. It was one of those things that like the synagogues had, and if you were a learned man, a, a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you might have your own scrolls, but these were also scrolls that were held in great value, high esteem, and that they were taken care of, and they actually have these little pointer sticks that have like a little a hand on the end of the stick with like a, a finger sticking out, and you turn the pages or you unroll the scrolls with it, and you use that to read but here this this Ethiopian is. In his chariot, reading aloud this scripture, as this crazy man, covered in dust probably, comes running up and he presents him with a question. Now, a lot of the times, I think some of us would look at this question and think of it as sarcastic. But I want to say, like in our evangelistic outreaches, especially in, as I have led many people out on trips and done things, I have heard some people be really condescending as they try to explain the gospel. I have heard some people be really sarcastic when they explain the gospel. Now, let me tell you, don't do that. It's not going to work well. Humbly, the Lord came. Humbly, he met with us, and humbly, he presented the gospel. Now, look, the Lord, when he talked with some of the pharaohs, the Lord can do what he wants to do. He turned over some tables at some times. I am not the Lord. But I'm going to represent what God told us to. He said, humbly we come, humbly we come, and we serve others. And I think humbly he asked, Philip asked this question to the Ethiopian. It says, do you understand what you're reading? And just nonchalantly as this crazy man has run along the chariot, the Ethiopian looks at him. It says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? Look, of all the times that I've gone out and done outreaches or evangelism, ooh, man, this is like gold. I'm like, yes, come on, someone tell me this. Because you're just being invited. And man, like, not every time is going to work out like this. But this is what we're called to do as as Christians. Not that we're called to do, but as part of us just being Christians, we're called to go out and explain the gospel and share it to other people. And there are going to be those times when someone just looks at you and says, no, they might call you crazy. They just might turn and walk away at the the least. But there are all going to be those times, and hopefully many of them, that they are ready. And maybe they might say something like this. And look, this, this is like the best I think you could get with someone like, reading scripture and so much like remember like there's this one time that Jesus went into a synagogue and they brought him a scroll and he read from the scroll it was the same isaiah that this ethiopian is reading now i don't want to talk about coincidences but man man this is amazing it says how can i understand unless someone guides me This convert to Judaism, or he was a a Jewish man, like he had grown up and he'd know these things. He'd know that the uh, Pharisees were people that were taught these things. And that you went to them to get scripture, to get an understanding of what the Lord was saying, of what he was speaking through his messages. And I think he knew this, and he asked this simple, or he says a simple response because he needed someone to guide him. Now, he probably did not think that this crazy man running beside the chariot was a Pharisee. They generally didn't run anywhere. But he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I don't know if he slowed down to let him jump in. I probably would have slipped and fell. But man, can you think how just like crazy this is? The angel told him to go get in a chariot and he went. And he got in the chariot of this important official who has guards. Like he's traveling with other people. There are guards around him. And the the passage that he was reading. If you miss it, I'm going to read it again. This is verse 32 and 33. It says, like a sheep. He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens his mouth not. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, who can, be, who can describe this generation, for his life was taken away from him. If you don't understand what this passage is talking about, it's talking about the Messiah. Like this is like explaining and a prophecy pointing to the coming Messiah, is talking about Jesus. You're talking about, remember this perfect setup for evangelism? This guy is literally reading about Jesus and asks, hey, can you explain this to me? Come up here. I'm inviting you up here. Explain this to me. And Philip does. He gets into the chariot and begins to go through Scripture explaining from Scripture Jesus the Messiah. Man, this is incredible. Like I said, I want every encounter that we have as we share the gospel to be like this. To be in a way that people are open and wanting to hear from the Lord. That they're ready, they're waiting to be converted to accept the Lord. But this is one of those things that Philip would not been here if he wasn't open to hearing and receiving from the Lord. He wouldn't have been here if he didn't go when he was told to. You, know, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about us connecting with God through prayer, through worship and some other things. We can't hear from the Lord unless we are connected to Him. And we can't know that let me tell you guys, not every voice you hear, not every voice we hear throughout our day, throughout our week is from the Lord. You know that? Let me ask you again, do you know that every voice isn't from the Lord? And we take in a lot of different voices. We take in a lot of different social media, TV, things that we read. And we don't always say in our head that this is not from the Lord. And sometimes we let those ideas sink into us. But we need to be able to have our Bible and go to it and know the voice of the Lord and what he is calling us to do. So that when he calls us, when he gives us that nudging, we can go. I want to share a a story uh, from one of our members, Leanne. She told me this testimony. That before they were involved here at the church, before that they were really coming to the church. They would come periodically. But they were invited by Grandma Louise, Louie, yeah, and she was doing what the Lord put upon her heart. She would sometimes call and check up on people, see if they haven't been there. And Leanne said that she that she was asked if she could come pick up her kids and bring them to church. Leanne said that she felt so convicted that it. Someone wanted to bring her kids to church. She was like, No, I need to bring my own kids to church. And they started coming. They started coming regularly. And it got to the point that even her husband, Bryce, became one of our deacons. And they became an integral part of our church and became such close friends uh, with Pastor and his family. But this wouldn't have happened unless someone heard from the Lord, followed what she was called to do and reached out to them. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We need to reach out to those who are around us. When God says, hey, just give this person a call, we need to do it. We need to reach out to them. But here going on, we see that, like I said, verse 37 isn't always included in all the scriptures or maybe not In all translations, or not in its entirety. But it goes through and it says, if you believe, when the Ethiopian says, hey, I want to be baptized. Philip responds, if you believe with your heart, you may. And he replied, the Ethiopian, I believe that Jesus Christ the Son. Now, whether you think this needs to be in your version or not, at some point in time, Philip would have had this conversation with him. Because they had two other disciples that came to Samaria to check on people's salvation and us in the Holy Spirit. And this is where we see Philip doing the same thing, that before he got baptized, he needed to make sure. And we see this Ethiopian then gets baptized. He goes down into the water. It says they both get down and go into the water. I, don't, I, don't, I won't go into it much. If you want to ask me later, I can explain to you how pickling cucumbers explains that baptism is by full immersion. Ask me later. It's really cool. Um, pickles are great, right? But it says that they go down into the water, and they come out of the water. And Philip is taken away. Might not explain this right now, but this talks about him being transported away. I'm going to end up with giving a brief explanation of this. If you want to know more, we can talk about teleportation all day. But the Ethiopian came out, and he was so filled with joy that he went on rejoicing. And he went back to Ethiopia as Philip was taken away to another place that was 20 miles away. And then it says that he continues on sharing the gospel as he went until he came to Caesarea. That wherever he went, he was sharing the gospel, and that's what we need to do. Now the Ethiopian went back to his country. Now I don't have now this is me putting together like different resources and just speculating something here. This is this is my interpretation of history and facts that the Ethiopian went back to Ethiopia. He had had an interaction an encounter with Jesus Christ because one man stood up and heard from an angel heard from the Lord, and went and did what he was told. So he was able to share the gospel with this man. And this man accepted the Lord and was baptized and went back to his country. And I think it fulfills this verse in Psalms 31. Psalms 31 says, "Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Philip led this Ethiopian to salvation in the Lord. So that I believe that this fulfilled the scripture and he was able, the Ethiopian was able to bring Christ and God to Ethiopia. As our band uh, will come up here in a moment, as I kind of draw to a close, I think this gets back to that, that word desert, Eremos. That Ethiopian had been in a desert place and he was going back to another desert place where there are no friends or people around him that could share the true Christ with him. But as the they our band sang earlier, Hallelujah, death is undone. In Ethiopia, we have archaeological records of some of the oldest churches with deep baptismals that are still there today that were chipped out of the rock I think this started from Philip following the leading of God just as Grandma Louise reached out to someone and encouraged her, Leanne to bring her kids to church and they started coming and their whole family has been going here now, my question for you is who is who is the Ethiopian that is in your life who is that person that is around you that co-worker, that family member That neighbor that you need to reach out to. Now, briefly, I want to say like, there's a scripture that says Philip was transported, or you might want to say teleported away. There are many different passages in in the scripture where we see like Jesus walking on water. The thing that I said one time I always wanted was my burning bush. But these are things that are not, we're not encouraged to seek after in the Bible. There are things that kind of like glossed over. It just kind of references in here. But I think the importance in here that is all around and sandwiched in this scripture is about transformation. And that is what we need to be seeking. And that is what we are encouraged from this scripture to do. As we go throughout our days, as we journey around, we need to be sharing the gospel with other people so that they can have transformed lives. Who in your lives today is that Ethiopian? Who is that person that needs to be transformed? If you would bow your head and close your eyes with me, we are going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to end with communion. Let us pray. Father God, I come to you now, Lord, and I thank you for each and every person here, for everything that you do in our lives. Father God, I pray for the, the Ethiopian who is around us that we need to be encouraged to go to, who we need a prodding. Father God, maybe maybe I am the person that needs to, just to dive into my Bible more to hear your voice, and to know you, so that we can follow and hear your guidance. God, I pray that if anyone here needs that encouragement, that they can come see me or one of the elders after, and we can pray for that encouragement. Father God, we love you. We seek you each and every day in our life. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. As we are going to uh, do communion now. Um, if y'all would, we have communion down here in the center. Um, we'll take communion. I'll allow y'all to go and get the elements. And then I will lead us in taking the elements y'all would. Y'all can rise and go to the center. Grab some bread and the juice that represents Christ's blood. In 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what is also handed to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you would take of the bread. This is Christ's body broken for us. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you would take the cup, this represents Christ's blood that was shed for us and washed us white as snow.